are the strange topics that only gynecology can provide. In this session, we will cover the big O. That's right, female orgasm, the purpose, biology, and surprising health benefits of female orgasmic activity. Well, the things we cover in the name of science. Ah, the mysterious female orgasm. An orgasm in the human female is a variable, transient, peak sensation of intense pleasure, creating an altered state of consciousness, usually accompanied by involuntary rhythmic contractions of the pelvic striated circumvaginal musculature, often with concomitant uterine and anal muscular contractions. There is accompanying myotonia. Remember, that's the inability to relax voluntary muscles. This helps resolve the sexually induced vasocongestion and pelvic congestion that occurs pre-orgasm. Orgasm culminates with a sensation of well-being and contentment. Well, what about the pelvic anatomical responses? Well, in the basal state, remember that clitoral, corporal, and vaginal smooth muscles are under contractile tone. Following sexual stimulation, neurogenic and endothelial release of nitric oxide plays an important role in clitoral cavernosal arteriolar smooth muscle relaxation. This leads to a rise in clitoral cavernosal artery flow. This causes an increase in clitoral intracavernosal pressure and clitoral engorgement. This results in extrusion of the gland's clitoris and enhanced sexual sensitivity. Additionally, also in the basal state, the vaginal epithelium resorbs sodium from the submucosal capillary plasma transudate, but following sexual stimulation, a number of neurotransmitters including nitric oxide and vasoactive intestinal peptide are released modulating vaginal vascular and non-vascular smooth muscle relaxation. Dramatic increases in capillary inflow in the submucosa overwhelms sodium resorption, leading to 3 to 5 mLs of vaginal transudate at the beginning. This can increase in volume as sexual stimulation continues. This aids in lubrication essential for coitus. Vaginal smooth muscle relaxation results in increased vaginal length and luminal diameter, especially in the distal two-thirds of the vagina. Vasoactive intestinal peptide is a non-adrenergic, non-cholinergic neurotransmitter that plays a role in enhancing vaginal blood flow, lubrication, as well as secretion formation. Additionally, the Bartholin's glands and the Skene's glands are considered to play a part in the production of arousal fluid, releasing a white to milky secretion with arousal pre-orgasm. Women's orgasms can be induced by erotic stimulation of a variety of genital as well as non-genital sites. As of yet, no definitive explanations for what triggers the orgasm have emerged. Studies of brain imaging, however, do indicate increased activation at orgasm compared to pre-orgasm in the paraventricular nucleus of the hypothalamus, the periaqueductal gray of the midbrain, the hippocampus, and the cerebellum.
Psychosocial factors commonly discussed in relation to female orgasmic activity include age, education, social class, religious norms, personality, and of course, interpersonal relationship issues. Findings from surveys and clinical reports suggest that orgasm problems are the second most frequently reported sexual problem in women, the first being hypoactive desire disorders. All right, why don't we let that information set in for a while? And when we come back, we will cover the theorized purpose of the female orgasm. All right, welcome back. Well, as we've seen, from a psychological standpoint, sexual arousal is an intricate, complicated process that affects many areas of the body. As complex as the how is, the why is even more convoluted. Now, from an evolutionary standpoint, understanding the male orgasm is relatively straightforward, right? Ejaculation is necessary for reproduction. But for females, however, the issue becomes more difficult to unravel. So let's take a look at two common theories. The first theory was called the sperm retention or, quote, suck up, end quote, theory. Yes, that's actually what it's called. In the early 1900s, it was believed that the female orgasm was necessary for fertilization, according to the popular suck-up theory. In the 1950s, William Masters and Virginia Johnston from Masters and Johnston tested the hypothesis which postulated that orgasmic contractions sucked semen into the uterus by applying artificial semen mixed with a radio-opaque substance which showed up on an x-ray to a cervical cap and had the women orgasm, but they found no evidence of the suck-up phenomenon. The theory near dead was revived in a different sort of form with the discovery that the hormone oxytocin stimulates uterine contractions during female orgasm and that these uterine contractions may help move semen laterally towards the fallopian tubes. Although the sperm retention theory makes sense, there's debate over how large of a role these uterine contractions play in fertilization. Females, after all, are capable of becoming pregnant without the help of an orgasm. The second theory is called the pair bonding theory. This theory relies on the rush of feel-good chemicals released during orgasm, like dopamine and oxytocin. We'll cover a little bit more about dopamine a little later in the podcast. Oxytocin, in particular, is thought to produce feelings of intimacy and bonding while dopamine stimulates the brain's reward center. Basically, this theory postulates that the purpose of orgasm is to maintain couple bonding through the core of sexual intercourse and ultimately orgasm. All right, well, theories aside, the reality is that one in three women have trouble achieving an orgasm during intercourse, with 80% having difficulty orgasming with just vaginal intercourse alone. Well, this raises the next question. Is there a difference between the vaginal and the clitoral orgasm? Let's take a look at that next. 
Even Sigmund Freud attempted to explain orgasm's intricacies. Freud devised the female two-orgasm theory. He believed that vaginal orgasm was a feminine and mature sexual response, while the clitoral orgasm was masculine, immature, and somehow inferior. However, Dr. Alfred Kinsey of the Kinsey Institute actually helped refute Freud's claims through interviews where he found women could not and were not having vaginal orgasms according to several studies available via the Kinsey Institute. Yet, the controversy continues with other studies describing the vaginal orgasm as deeper in the body while clitoral orgasms are more superficial. Adding complexity to the issue, of course, it's that it's just not the vagina and the clitoris that are areas of focus. Evolving evidence, of course, confirms that women are also capable of orgasmic activity via anal stimulation. Lastly, of course, are women's ability to have orgasm without any of the previously described areas being stimulated. As a special area of note, we'll talk about the sleep orgasm phenomenon a little bit later in the podcast. Well, this fascination with the mystery of the female orgasm has prompted several curious research trials. In 2013, researchers attempted to answer that age-old scientific mystery. Are there two types of female orgasms, specifically vaginal or clitoral? Well, the debate and speculation is based on whether different types of orgasm are attained from vaginal penetration or clitoral stimulation. According to the study in the Journal of Sexual Medicine by Busan in 2013, ultrasounds found that women actually do experience not one, but two different kinds of orgasmic activity, clitoral and vaginal and that they differ in blood flow and sensation. Now, here's a clinical pearl. This study, which again broke new ground in previously uncharted territory, only evaluated three, that's right, three subjects. But in this study, which used Doppler ultrasound to evaluate clitoral and vaginal activity following clitoral or vaginal stimulation, it was found that anatomical differences and blood flow patterns are different based on vaginal penetration or clitoral stimulation. Based on this very small pilot study, the authors concluded that there were some anatomical and blood flow differences in orgasmic activity between vaginal and clitoral orgasm. Alright, before we get into the surprising health benefits of the Big O, a quick word about nocturnal or sleep orgasms. Orgasmic activity during sleep, of course, can occur. Although little research has been done on the subject, during sleep the body is relaxed and during the REM phase of sleep there can be increased blood flow to the genital area. Nocturnal orgasms, therefore, are likely a combination of both being relaxed and the increased blood flow to the genital area, along with the possibility of stimulating dreams that would increase psychogenic arousal. These usually have an onset during puberty and adolescence, although they are reported to increase with increasing patient age through the reproductive years. Alright, when we come back, let's cover the surprising health benefits of the Big O. Alright, let's wrap up this podcast with the surprising benefits 
to the big O. The first health benefit is dermatological changes. That's right. According to published research, you can actually look younger by increasing orgasmic frequency. Remember, we're talking about female orgasmic activity. According to published papers, having an orgasm three times a week in a stress-free relationship can make one look younger by 10 years. A 2009 study at the University of Michigan found that having an orgasm raising the levels of estrogen in the bloodstream. And that's good because estrogen actually appears to aid in the prevention of aging skin in a variety of ways. First, it prevents the decrease of collagen, an important protein for maintaining the appearance of youthful skin. It also helps with skin thickness, helping skin resistant to wrinkles. Now, mentioning wrinkles, estrogen's effects on the elastic fibers of the skin prevents them as well. Estrogen may also lock in the skin's moisture, keeping skin looking plump. Lastly, the skin flushing from orgasm increases the blood supply to the skin, resulting in increased ability of skin self-repair. When blood vessels start to dilate and that rosy flushed look sets in, there's an increased amount of oxygen delivery which stimulates tissue remodeling and tissue healing. Orgasm also spikes DHEA levels in the body. DHEA hormone improves brain function, balances the immune system, and it helps maintain and repair skin tissue. So again, there's dermatological benefits to the big O. The second surprising health benefit of the big O is less stress. Significant levels of oxytocin are released at orgasm. This results in feelings of attachment, sociable nature, contentment, safety, and relaxation. In fact, oxytocin is the natural antidote to stress hormones in the body. Low levels of oxytocin are correlated with higher levels of anxiety disorders. Remember that oxytocin is called the love or attachment hormone. Endorphins are also released with orgasm. Higher levels of these chemicals lower the system's overall cortisol level and helps reduce stress and anxiety. Next is insomnia therapy. A study released in 2000 showed that 32% of women reported self-stimulation to help them fall asleep. Again, that's 32% of women reporting self-stimulation to orgasm to help them fall asleep. The oxytocin and endorphins released during orgasm encourages a restful state and improves sleep quality. Incidentally, these same chemical messengers aid in a reduction of depressive symptoms. The fourth surprising benefit is for the pelvic floor. Orgasm improves circulation to the pelvic floor and the vagina, helping with tissue elasticity and remodeling. Vaginal penetration increases vaginal elasticity and blood flow for a healthier microbiome. As orgasm increases pelvic floor and vaginal contractions, orgasm can help provide a mini Kegel workout. However, the relationship between pelvic floor tone to orgasm can be dichotomous. Orgasm is a response of muscular contractions, and the stronger and more flexible a muscle is, the more likely it is to fire or contract. In other words, a stronger, healthier pelvic floor actually leads to stronger vaginal contractions during orgasm. If the pelvic floor muscles are too weak, or on the flip side, if they're too tight, then there's a greater chance of experiencing painful intercourse and inability to orgasm. Lastly is that orgasm is a mood enhancer. 
during sexual stimulation, there's a gradual increase in firing in all brain regions leading up to orgasm. In the brain, the nucleus accumens, the reward center of the brain, gets a flood of dopamine, which activates it, resulting in a sensation of rewards. This area is also activated by addictive substances like chocolate, cocaine, caffeine, or nicotine. Incidentally, dopamine release also helps to curb appetite. When there's a greater gap between meals throughout the day, the body will have lower dopamine levels leading to overindulgence in hunger cravings. So higher dopamine levels may help curb appetite and reduce binge eating. Now, as a side note, although orgasm can help dopamine levels rise with a subsequent reduction in serum prolactin, remember that nipple stimulation alone without orgasmic activity may actually serve to increase prolactin levels. Again, remember that dopamine rise leads to decreased serum prolactin, but nipple stimulation alone can lead to increased prolactin levels. We can cover hyperprolactinemia at another time. All right, well, there you have it. The weird topics that only gynecology can cover. We've covered the female orgasm and surprising health benefits of that condition. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.